Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this, and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. All right, I am sitting here, and I am talking to Sean Rao, and uh, also sitting with me is the new co-host of Publicly Challenged, Clay Bowers. Clay, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, kick it off by asking uh, Sean some questions here. All right. I'm very excited to be the new co-host here. This is going to be a lot of fun. Sean, you get to be our experiment. (laughs) I'm happy. I'm happy to be the guinea pig. (laughs) All right. Um, Sean, I've been following you on social media for a while, and your content is awesome. I just really want to know, how did you get into foraging? Yes. Um, I suppose it would go back to the very first time, you know, the um, that I was, I guess you could say I was introduced to the idea of foraging was back when I was being babysat by this couple. And I was probably maybe 10 or so. And the husband of the of the woman who was I was most familiar with, uh, her husband was like not always home. But when I was babysat, um, he would be outside with his shirt off. He was super hairy, and <laughs> he would always be working on stuff. I mean, he is just like complete, like really super dark tan. Always be like working on carpentry, you know, building things in the yard and. I was just kind of fascinated by him, but he, one time he just came up to me and he's like, he had a dandelion in his hand, uh, a leaf, and he, he started eating it. And he's like, he's like, uh, there's a lot of iron in this. You can eat this, you know? And I just thought that was so weird that he was picking up something out of his yard 
that wasn't in a garden. It was just there. And he started eating it. And I tried it. I didn't like it at the time, but um, it was an interesting idea. Kind of uh, put a seed in my head, so to speak. Um, and then um, when I really got the bug uh, was when I went to, when I was about 18 or so, and I went to the uh, Tom Brown's Wilderness Tracking Survival School. Uh, and that's when I started sort of really getting on this path of foraging became more and more in the foreground of, you know, the holistic skill set of, uh, of, uh, of a naturalist, um, you know, survivalist kind of a person, I guess. Yeah. Um, one thing, can you introduce yourself, Sean, for everybody listening? So just kind of, they get an idea of who you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> um, yeah, I, my name is Sean Rao, and you pronounced my name, my last name, correctly. I'm very impressed. Uh, but yes, I'm. I am. I am from upstate New York. Um, I've been there most of my life, and professionally, I'm a musician, touring artist. But you know, foraging has been, like I said, in the foreground for a very long time. Um, so yeah. That's that's me. All right. All right. And now we know kind of how the foraging got started. Um, yeah. So what led you to go to the wilderness uh, tracking school? What 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 drove that? What was in you? Was it something you always had? Yeah. Yeah. From I know a lot of people share this, like there's a feeling that, you know, we grow up and this. Most of us are not mentored in the ways of living off the land it's just not in our world view for most of us in the in this uh context of the world we live in today uh and i was just like that i i didn't have any mentors when i was growing up i didn't have any elders who were naturalists i just kind of came into this on my own i had a sense about it like i didn't want to just see nature i didn't want to just like observe it i didn't just want to go to a museum it wasn't enough i needed to be actively participating in it uh, and so naturally, you know, foraging was a doorway to do that. Um, but, you know, from my earliest memories, I always knew there was something more I wanted to do with nature. Um, so, um, you know, uh, that led me to this path, really. So you were into more than foraging, though, at the beginning, because Tom Brown's school is a lot about tracking and fire making and that sort of stuff. So obviously you wanted to be immersed in nature and do more than just foraging, but somehow kind of just like me, um, foraging has come to the forefront of all that for you. Yeah. And I think that's not that hard of a stretch considering that everybody has to eat yeah. pretty much every day. You know what I mean? So it's an activity we do regularly. So naturally I'm just always doing it <laughs> you know what I mean I'm not always building a debris hut but I'm always eating uh or at least you know regularly so yeah. it's what really fascinates me I mean I'm I'm very interested in you know the various like uh you know like what it, what is the appropriate food for humans we all seem to be uh, confused at least the mainstream seems to be confused about that and it's very strange to me why we are we're animals why, how come we don't actually really know you know 
So like, mm-hmm. I, I've always been fascinated with that idea and, and it's just fun. You know, I just, I just love getting out there and harvesting wild food. Um, as you know, there's so many reasons to do it, but. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Sean, your uh, video today, I saw that uh, maybe it wasn't today. Maybe it just came into my feed today, but I saw mm-hmm. that you were picking hickory nuts. Was that today? And um, mm-hmm. if you were, what are you doing with your hickory nuts? Well, well, that was that was actually two days ago. Um, and I've been scouting, you know, as you know, not every year is a good year for a productive mm-hmm. year for um hickories among other trees too but um yeah it, it hasn't been great for for uh hickory nuts shagbark hickory specifically um for the last few years but certain select areas uh it has been pretty productive so with those shagbarks i usually just will will crack as i need them and i'll i'll just have them just like that just right out of the shell after they've been cured uh, but with something like pig nuts, I'll make hickory nut milk and um, bitter nuts. Uh, I haven't had in a while, but um, I know they can be, you know, they, <laughs> they're not great if you just eat them raw, but if you boil them, you know, they're edible. Um, I don't have a lot of bitter nuts around here, but, but, um, but yeah, it's mostly the shag barks and the pig nuts. I haven't scouted. I haven't looked at my areas for pig nuts yet, but. But um, shag bars are very exciting when you see those. I mean, you know, they are like they are like a pecan if a pecan was like ten times as good as a pecan is. You know what I mean? They're just yeah. like so potent that they're so worth it to harvest. Um, yeah. And it's just bewildering. I don't know if you you come across this. I was thinking about this the other day. I was I was I was, I was harvesting those hickory nuts. And this isn't the first time it happened, but there's a couple that came up to me and I saw them out of my periphery. I saw them. I knew they were going to come. You know, I know I see them walking around and they're looking at me. I'm like, okay, they're going to ask me. They're going to ask me something about what I'm doing. And the guy is like, he does a double take. He doesn't come up to me right away. But he goes to his car. In the par- it's near the parking lot is where the hickory nut trees was in this park. And I thought he was going to go away, but then he comes back. He's like, Hey, can I see something? What are you What are you harvesting here? I'm like, oh, these are shagbark hickories. They're delicious. They're really, really good. And he's like, you can eat those. I was like, oh yeah, you can totally eat them. They're They're absolutely delicious. Say, like, how do you you just like crack them? I was like, well, they're 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 probably better if you cure them and wait a little bit, you know. But yeah, they're they're really easy to harvest, and you just gotta they're hard to crack, and you gotta. He's like, wow, that's fascinating, huh? And then he just walks away. No, <laughs> hardly nobody asks if they could try something or like, that's, that's all. You know what I mean? So I just wonder about that. Like, did they go home and like, is it like a, like, that's neat. That's neat that you do that. And then they never think about it again. You know, it's just a, I don't know what's happening there uh, psychologically speaking, but it's interesting. It's not the first time. Yeah. <laughs> You know. I have that happen too, but most of the time uh, they they don't ask. But I think it sparks that curiosity enough to where maybe later on they'll pursue it, but they still have that aversion or that fear that there's some type of poisoning going on. So they want to yeah. verify it. I think that yeah. happens a lot. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's a, the, the fear of poisoning is, is so, it, it's so prevalent. It's, it's comical in a lot of ways. Um, it, it, what comes to mind is I was on this mushroom workshop once. It was a big one too. It was uh, Gary uh, Linkoff. Uh, is that the way you say his mm-hmm. name? Who's no longer with us, um, as you know. Uh, but, um, you know, he was the keynote speaker at this. It's like the Mycological Northeast Mycological Association, I think. But it was a big gathering, and I was at this, and I was on a mushroom hike on, as a part of this experience. And there was this prodigy kid there. He must have been like 18, knew every single mushroom we came across, the Latin, everything about it. He just he was like a rain man uh, <laughs> with mushrooms, you know? And I didn't know near as much as he did with mushrooms. But we talked afterwards and we, I introduced myself and I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm more, I'm more, I do more plants than mushrooms, but, and then he's like, oh, plants, that scares the hell out of me. <laughs> I mean, so many things that could poison you with plants. I'm like thinking, <laughs> people say that about mushrooms, you know what I mean? It's, it's just so funny. Like the two camps, they don't always, uh, they don't always sign up together. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I speaking back to what you said a minute ago, though, I wanted to interject and say, I have have had people say to me while picking service berries, um, hey, would uh, I say, do you want one of these? You want to try one? And I've literally had people say, no, I'm too full. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do that one berry. I just can't. It's like any other time would have been great, man. But sorry. Yeah. I yeah. tell that to people yeah. sometimes when I just straight up don't want it. It's no, no, thanks. I got to drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny. That's funny. So, Sean, where in the country you said you said upstate New York? I want to yeah. know specific. I want to know specifically because um, I oddly enough I have family that lives over in um, Johnstown and Gloversville area. Oh, Gloversville is very close. I used to play shows in Gloversville actually. Um, yeah, so I've actually been out to the Adirondacks. Um, my mom just moved back over to Michigan here after living over there for 20 years. Wow. And um, But I used to go out there, um, you know, regularly, like once a summer, and I'd, I'd hang out in the Adirondacks, and um, we'd go up to those weird little lakes, you know, that are up in the weird. small mountains mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I saw leeches the size of, like, freaking snakes in some of those <laughs> yeah yeah the leeches are i've I've experienced them they're they're unsettling uh <laughs> to say the least but there is something magical about the adirondacks though i miss it when i'm not around i'm very close that's um, yeah i'm very close to the park i'm right on the edge of the park actually okay so it, and you do teach foraging classes out there i do yeah okay because i'm gonna have to tell my sister <laughs> yeah please i i didn't know that that's awesome that's yeah, great. my my yeah, like I said, my sister lives out there, so um, I really got to hook her up with you. But um, how often are you doing those classes? And so, um, and like, this, what 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 sort of subjects do you cover in your classes? Yeah, um, it's a good question. Yeah, so it varies depending on what time of the year I'm doing it. Uh, but but generally, the subjects are based around my own experience. So it's 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 essentially like 
um, the identification, the gathering and the processing. I think the processing of wild food is not talked about enough. Um, so I love to focus on that because it gives people a real sense about what's involved and I kind of get tired of the whole plant walk, the whole, like, look at this, you can eat this. And cause I feel like that information goes in and out of people's brains very quickly. You know, I agree. Um, you know, I think it's, I think the, what I would like to get across is, is the experience with the plants, even if it's just, you know, even, even if I just cover a small amount. Um, I think it's that, I think that that generates kind of, um, excitement and inspiration when you can really see what's involved, you know, you get your hands dirty, um, literally. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I focus a lot on that it, when I can, you know, when, when I have enough time, um, and this coming, this coming, uh, next 2024, I'll be doing a lot more workshops. It just so happens that, you know, I'm on tour a lot too. So I have to balance that out with, with the workshop thing. Yeah. I think like when somebody handles something and they get that tactile senses going and, and they experience it more so than just somebody pointing something out to them and not wanting to disturb it, people tend to retain a lot more information. If, if I can Absolutely. hold it and feel it and know what it looks like and feels like yeah. in my hands that connection that you build, I mean, it, it almost taps into something that's, that's, uh, ancestral that we don't really, uh, recognize, you know, and, uh, it, it, it helps <laughs> definitely helps. So when you talk it about helps. processing, it's, yeah. it's, I, I think it's like the thing, you know what I mean? It, it is like, um, it's why those apps like, uh, plant apps, you know, they're, they're only going to go so far. You can't replace experience. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't give somebody experience through an application, you know. Um, so the people want the fast answer. They want they want everything like really quickly. Uh, they want shortcuts and all that. And there's really no shortcut to experience. But the the good thing is that the experience is awesome. You know, what I mean, it's it feels good. So. Yeah, that's what I'd like to get across. I'm definitely not at that level. Obviously, I'm not at the same level as you and Clay. Um, I would say I'm more of a novice, maybe at some things intermediary, sure. but um, yeah, it, it seems to me that people rely on those apps so much. And to me, I would rather go out and experience it or have to retain that information and take it home with me so I can identify it versus clicking on it and getting that instant gratification. And when I do that, it seems that I retain so much more and actually learn that plant. Because it's not just, oh, let's click, here's my phone, let's take that phone over here and over here and just keep looking at things. And there's some things that when I absolutely can't figure them out, um, I'll take a picture of it with that app and then it comes up with 20 different things. And it makes it even more confusing because now you don't know what it is. And, yeah, and, and you, you definitely, <laughs> you can't rely on those things if yeah. you're going to eat this, eat the plant. You know, it's not a good idea. If I'm like 99% sure and I want to verify and Clay's not around to text him a picture or something, that's what I do is I'll take a picture of it with the app and I'm like, oh, I thought so. I am right. You know? Yeah. But, yeah. but that's yeah. about all I use them for. Yeah. 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 It's funny. I, I, I actually did a whole like, um, youtube video on this app that i do use for uh uh for like a, a tentative um identification on plants occasionally 
And I took it down. I took the post down because it was like about 30 minutes um, video. And, and halfway through, I'm then going into why this app is not a good idea to, uh, um, <laughs> to, to, to rely on. You know, so so my I had two two opposing uh, uh, ideas. One is like I want to get somebody's attention, so naturally I'll use the app idea because everybody wants to use an app, you know. But then I'll say, you know, halfway through it, uh, like, <laughs> but what you really want to do is like have experience with this play. So I'm like, that's stupid. Just no, that's not good. So I took that down, and I was like, no, this is not the way to do it. Um. So yeah, I I am fully aware. It's like these technologies can be helpful, but they're not. You can't lean on them. Yeah, again, for experience. I I noticed Sean that like a lot of new foragers and um, speaking as somebody who's been foraging for seventeen years now myself. I don't know how long. Sounds like you've been doing it for a very long time. Um, but it, it does seem like this whole new wave of foragers um, does seem to be pretty like reliant on technologies. And um, a lot of that plant snap apps um, and less experience, that experience that you speak of is very important in my opinion for um, just being able to grab that plant and feel it and know it and you like uh you recognize it rather than like identifying it you know it's like yeah. you see you see a friend and you recognize him in public you can tell by yeah. the way he walks you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah uh that's i i think about that a lot i think about that a lot because i just feel like our brains that's the way they work they work on this pattern recognition thing and um you don't have to, you know, I think maybe people get the wrong idea that this is so much work always. It's just, mm -hmm. it's work in the beginning because you're learning your ABCs and you got to really like go through all the things it could be and what it could, what it's possibly not and to compare and contrast. Um, but I like what Sam there says about that. <laughs> He says, like, there there are no, like, lookalikes. There are look similars. You know what I mean? <laughs> and to get to the look similar, you have to have experience. Um, because then you realize, oh, yeah, this can't be. I mean, look at the thing. That's this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, it ain't anything else, you know. But in the very beginning, it's it looks like a lot of things, you know. So mm -hmm. there's a misconception and also a tendency that you want to really be right and you want to be right fast. Um, so there's a little bit of a danger there to be careful of in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So are you into doing any sort of hunting or is it just foraging for you? No, I am open to it. In fact, I have a friend who's a, a hunter mostly deer hunts uh but he's he's great and he's every year i'm like ah oh, i mean this is the year i'm I'm gonna get into it you know and i just i i just something happens and I, you know i have to take a step back but i i really do i value it um i believe in it um and there is nothing like you know getting fresh venison you know i've eaten many many road kills <laughs> you know that i've harvested but um i haven't um i haven't harvested my own deer but 
I really hope to someday uh, and also to other animals too, but, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. To answer your question. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. I mean, during your time at the, at the wilderness school or Tom Brown's mm-hmm. courses and stuff, yeah. wasn't there, I mean, there had to have been some type of trapping or, or survival I was, you know, yeah, squirrel I was, sticks when I was, and stuff. When I went on a survival quest, I was out for 24 days and um, I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be 40, um, but I got real hungry. I was, I was, um, you know, I had, <laughs> I had some, I, I had some skills. I mean, I was living at the survival school for a year and I was learning with some really top um, people, uh, but nothing really prepared me to live completely out in the woods for for that amount of time like a bunch of things happened that i wasn't prepared for but i was making primitive traps and i was setting those out and you know having to do everything yourself building your shelter and fire and i just wasn't taking in enough calories i was eating what i could find and mostly in my traps i was getting i wanted to get squirrels but i was getting a lot of mice so i ate the mice and i i remember (laughs) remember this uh, funny moment of like when i get a mouse also and my mom was like oh bubonic plague uh uh black plague (laughs) so i'm like i'm trying to like hold the mice with like these (laughs) wooden tongs like way away from me i'm like oh i got this mouse i'm gonna cook it but i don't want it near me i don't want to get these uh uh (laughs) fleas on me uh so um so yeah i mean uh, trapping was was something that I did, and uh, I think that that that's an amazing skill. Actually, primitive trapping mm-hmm. uh, is actually a really really interesting, uh, fascinating skill. And if you think about it, I mean, you are you're, you're hunting without even being there. You know. So I want to I want to so. touch on this, but first I got to talk about it. Clay wishes he could trap everything because yeah. he says he's such a <laughs> yeah. terrible hunter. That he wishes he could just trap everything, including fish, all kinds yeah. of animals, everything, right? Yeah, <laughs> including parsnips. <laughs> but <laughs> parsnips, yeah, yeah. No, that was my April Fool's joke. This, oh, okay. I, I, I made the video this year. It was a trapping parsnips video, and actually, I I did it so deadpan. That's that funny. I, I didn't I, see I, that. I think nobody got it. <laughs> I got that's it. Funny, I just chose I got to see that. Is that up on your uh, your site still? That's on, that's on my Instagram and my okay. YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I saw this one thing that you I was I was laughing at loud man. It was uh you did this is a while back but it was like a post in like a new forager um and you'd like you'd like pick something up and you're like yeah, this is it. This is good. This is good and it's like totally uh no discerning like what part you're gathering or you know the the, um the shape that it's in the condition that it's in yeah this is it this is it well let's pick it up yeah that was funny man that was like that that was me throwing throwing everything into a garbage bag yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. it's funny another thing that i think is funny it's like the, the jeff jeff foxworthy you might be a new forager if um, uh, people send me pictures all the time. Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. One picture, blurry, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of of the top of a mushroom. Uh, 
I don't know, man. Uh, is this uh, or another one? Like, is this nettle again? Like one picture, it's blurry. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know super grainy. I think so. Uh, maybe. Um, <laughs> Slap but, it on yourself and see what it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got to take more pictures. Got to take more yeah. pictures and you got to take uh, you know, multiple uh angles. I tell that all the time. I get pictures from friends and they're like, "Hey, what's this mushroom?" I'm like, "I don't know. Maybe zoom and out a little bit when, <laughs> or zoom yeah, in a little bit." When, when I know, I'm even reluctant to say. Yeah. I just feel like, "Ooh, what if that's like uh I don't know, man. I mean, I do know, but I ain't gonna tell you. You know, you got to most you of the know. time, I tell people, if you don't know what it is, pick it anyway. Pick it anyway. Put it in your pack. Take it home with you. Yeah, and then, right. you know, Google how to do a spore print and then take a bunch right. of photos of it or take a bunch of photos before you throw it in your pack. And then, yeah. uh, so my buddy finally, and this is one of my friends that uh, does a lot of hunting and he just moved to Idaho. And uh, so he's out there all the time and he keeps sending me all these pictures. And I'm like, you need to get some books. There's one that's like this big. It's one of the greatest books ever made about mushrooms. I said, take it, take the dichotomous key and look at it as mm-hmm. you're going, you know, and just use it. Yeah. And, uh, and finally, I think he, after one of his last posts, he's like, yep, I'm going to buy that book. You know, Luke tells yeah. me all the time I've got to do it. And it's like, do it, man. You're, the only way you're yep. truly going to learn is, you know, forcing yourself to learn it. Yeah. Dichotomous keys are, are, it's an interesting uh, thing because they they really do teach you a lot, um, but they are very intimidating because, um, like you know, we, especially when you're starting out, you're like every other word is something you have to look up. Like, <laughs> right. Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> What's a gill? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you know, one thing that's very frustrating is like. You know, like you take it like a winner guide, like a winner dichotomous key. I found this to be kind of frustrating. Is like they don't always agree on what is what. Like, uh, you know, if you're if you're looking for like a like a terminal bud on a on a twig, um, and you can have like a false uh, terminal bud too, where it looks like eh, this is a, like not it's a pseudo terminal bud. It's not really a terminal bud. But they don't all, all, not all keys agree on what, what signifies that, you know, some of them are different. So it's like, um, there's a few things where you might be misled and then you have to backtrack in the dichotomous key and you could do that, but you, you do learn a lot. So I think they're really valuable. Honestly, they're, they really do teach you a lot. And if you're diligent and if you actually look up the terms, it can be really helpful too, you know? Um, so I think that's something though. I wouldn't put that first as in like, that's not very inspiring to get into, (laughs) you know, give somebody that kind of a key. It's like, go ahead, (laughs) go to it. (laughs) Now you gotta, you gotta get them in it. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Very unfun. No, Um, but I mean, it does even just by the, the process of elimination, you learn about so many other mushrooms in the process, you know, like parasol yeah. or what you think is a parasol yeah. and it turns out it's a green yeah. Leopoda or whatever. Yeah. It, I mean, it's all there. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So Luke, are you more interested because 
this, this is a thing that I noticed, and maybe Sean, you also noticed this. Um, it, it seems like hunters are more drawn to mushrooms and then um, plant people like me and you, Sean, like I, I heard you say it earlier and I say the same thing. Like I'm far more into plants than I am into mushrooms. I like you know, it that's... all. Like for me, I like it all. What, what fascinates me though is obviously during hunting season and where I live, we have head of the woods, my talking yeah. mushrooms. So no matter what in October and sometimes even into November, I know I'm going to come home with something on top of mm-hmm. chicken of the woods and all these other things. And even in the, as the plants start to die off, there's still, you know, all these other things that are still there. I mean, not that the plants are all died off because um, actually I discovered spice bush by accident. And I remember texting you mm. and I'm like, hey, I think I found spice bush randomly. I shot a deer. Mm. I was tracking a deer. And out of nervousness, I, I have this tendency and I just touch plants and like take them and touch them and feel them as I'm walking along. And I happen to grab a leaf and a berry off of one and I'm rubbing the leaf and the berry. And all of a sudden I'm like, that smells really good. It's, it's lucrative <laughs> smell. It's drawing me yeah. into it and I'm holding it up to my nose and just wanting to put it in my mouth and taste it. And then I texted mm-hmm. you and I'm like, I think I found spice bush. I don't know. And you're like, does it smell amaze balls? That was your response to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It is so interesting, especially when you could get the you get the berries. I do I love the leaves. I mean, they're very citrusy, but the but the berries are like they're something else. Yeah. It's like it's all so spice cool. and clovey yeah. kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, it just clovey's good. It really, it really drew to me, and I was like, okay, this has got to be something that. So, it, I find it funny that while I'm out there, I immerse myself with all these other things to occupy myself. It's, I have an ADD brain, but in the wilderness, I feel like that ADD brain is actually supposed to be there. Those distractions, mm-hmm. because. I could be yeah. focused on a plant and all of a sudden I hear something and my head turns and I'm like, oh, what was that? Oh, hey, look, there's a deer. Oh, what was that? Yeah. Oh, hey, there's a squirrel. And I think that's how we're actually wired. We've kind of gotten away from that predispositioned instinct to do those yeah. things over time. Yeah. Um, but, but I tend to do that. And so Clay thinks I'm always in more into mushrooms than whatever. But I think <laughs> it's because mushrooms are easier to spot than certain plants to be able to get down and identify them. Like I can go, oh yeah, that's this or that or whatever. But if it's something I don't really know yet, um, I'm not going to take my binoculars and go down and look at it. I'm going to have to go down there and touch it and feel it and look at it. Versus a mushroom, I can go like this and start dialing it in while I'm in the tree and be like, I thought I saw orange over there. It is chicken of the woods. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get down later and I'm going to go get those. And I've done that. Yeah, yeah. This is very unscientific to to, to <laughs> say this, but I, I, it's just, I just thought of like, when you're hunting, you're mostly in like wooded areas, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily out in the open or on the edge edges of trails and stuff. And that's where you see like a lot of the wild edibles are found in those areas. So I'm just, I'm just wondering if like, just by nature of your surroundings, you're seeing more mushrooms than possibly edible plants within the forest. So. Yeah. A lot of times I hunt mm-hmm. edges. So those yeah, edges, you, do. okay. um, you know, you don't really have, you're kind of on the edge of those transitions. So it's not like there's gotcha. a bunch yeah. of flora. It's, it, it'll be, you know, 
unfortunately, a lot of honeysuckle, and then it'll open up to big, wide-open oak bottoms or whatever. I love hunting yeah. oak bottoms. Okay. Um, great spot, gotcha. especially right now when the acorns are dropping. It's uh, magical. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, has it been a really good year for acorns where you guys are? Yeah, today? Uh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely amazing. In Crazy. fact, uh, uh, yeah. last year, last year we did not have any acorns at all, and um, this year there's so many that um, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's 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 like that here too. Bumper crop. That's uh, sure. walnuts, acorns, hickory nuts. Yep. All of them this year. Last year, I was almost starting. I was starting to read into conspiracy theories because I just couldn't believe the lack of all nuts last year. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. Last year was the first year where um, usually with like black walnuts, I don't have to think about it. They're going to like they're going to be fairly decent every year. Usually Mm -hmm. last year was the first year where like. I found a couple of good trees and almost all of them were bad nuts. They were all wow. almost all duds. And <laughs> and it wasn't like it wasn't like any other year. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I've never had that experience. Black walnuts have been harvested them for almost like at least like 16 years. But um total bumper crop for everything, all, like all nut trees, uh, it's except for butternuts. I I I uh, haven't seen a lot of those this year but um i was wondering what you thought about this play if you have any thoughts about okay so i was in the midwest at that mm-hmm. foraging festival at the midwest uh wild harvest fest and hackberry is something that i like to get when it's around we don't we don't have it as much as i i notice it in the midwest but Every single tree, and I went from like state to state in the Midwest, like traveling through, none of them had berry. None of them had any fruit on them. And I'm just wondering, like, are they like talking to each other? Are they, Like, what is it that it's like all of them have no fruit? You know what I mean? What, what is, what do you think is happening there? Well, for a certain like oaks and and back to your black walnuts i i do think there's some sort of communication going on with those trees and i think that they um they will practice that predator swamping you know which is which is which is to completely hold off not produce any nuts for an entire an entire season and then and then um and then in the next year you just absolutely dump and i think that that's what's happening right now and um for sure you know, you're talking um, hackberries. Uh, I actually have zero experience with hackberries because I live in northern Michigan. Oh, uh, okay. And, not and, uh, no, and we do not have. Um, so basically, based on our geology, um, it's too sandy. So many things that exist in southern Michigan or maybe even in New York um, don't exist where I live because of our sand. Gotcha. You know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've, so like, I've got quite a few hackberries in my yard, and and they do have fruit. I've noticed it's not as much as it was like last year, which was weird. No other nuts, hackberries, fruit all over them last year. Mm. And then this year it, it's pretty scarce. I mean, there's still some on there. I plan on going pick some and make some hackberry milk, but. Did you ever have the, the, the Yule Gibbons uh, candy bar? The <laughs> no. tell, tell Shagbark Hickory, Shagbark Hickory and um, hackberry just ground up together in a, in a, in a mortar. Uh, wow. and it's 
shell and all or (laughs) 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 get a room of the shell but i'm telling you dude it's it's um it's scary good it's it's crazy crazy they can market it as a as a legitimate candy bar crazy i I love the taste no sorry i was just gonna say sean do you um do you eat the pits of the hackberries I do, I do, but sometimes it's like for whatever reason, certain trees are really hard, and it's like, mm-hmm. did I just break my teeth? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? But they're pleasant; they're really good. Uh, mm-hmm. They're just like some of them are harder than others. I found. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't ever eat it them unless be... it's a food processor. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've I've also ground them up in a Vitamix too for like a sort of like a sugar substitute but um they're fun to eat they're just like i would think it would be really impractical to not eat the seed too because it's hard to it's not like a fruit where it's like you can swirl it in your mouth and you can spit out the seeds kind of not like that you gotta you gotta chew it you know yeah it's almost like eating the coffee fruit there's hardly any actual fruit around it yeah it's almost all seed exactly yeah 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 Yeah. luke what were you gonna say that's i was just gonna say i love the taste of them but i I don't ever eat the seeds until it's blended blended up but there's one thing that's eating at me sean how did you cook these mice i mean Um, let me tell you something it wasn't uh I wouldn't have gotten any Michelin stars. Uh, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> um, I definitely wanted to thoroughly cook them. Um, so I'd basically just take the whole mice and, you know, the whole mouse, or should I say, sometimes I did get mice, plural, uh, <laughs> and if I had a lucky day. But I would just singe the hair off over the, over the fire, and then I would just cook it right on the coals. And I actually noticed, I mean, the meat itself was not bad. Um, in fact, I preferred it to the chipmunks I was getting. <laughs> I did not like chipmunks. Um, but uh, I ate everything except for the stomach. I tried it, and it was like you would think it would taste <laughs> so bad. So you, you ate, ate the teeth. You ate the entrails, though? I mean, did, yeah, did you I squeeze them out and evacuate them? Like, or? Yeah, I just didn't eat the stomach, but I ate everything else. I mean, everything else sort of just like, I mean, you think about a mouse. I mean, you're talking, you know, how much of a meal can you get? But, um, uh, oh, you know, by the way, this is kind of cool uh, for people, you know, to um, think about this. But when I was out there, this particular spot, I was in the Catskill Mountains, and there was a lot of bitter nut hickories there and they were falling and it's probably the reason that a lot of my traps were not being set because all these bitter nut hickories were falling the squirrels were getting these things and i was trying to make some enticing little baits that i that would they would take you know but they were eating all these bitter nuts and at the time i was like ah can't eat bitter nuts they're they taste like shit they they're Mm -hmm. awful (laughs) um and then i took a my first class that i ever took workshop with sam fair after that like 2008 i think and he was like 
you you can actually eat bitter notes. You just gotta you gotta boil them because they have um they have tannic acid, but unlike acorns, that's like in the in the kernel, it's actually just on the surface of the nut because it's it's in the shell. It's not in the it's not inside the um the nut with mm. um, bitter nuts. So I sampled some at his house. He, he just boiled them up, and it was quick. It wasn't like boiling acorns where you got to do it for hours, you know, or long periods of time. It was just it was very quick, and they were just okay. They were pleasant. They were not like shag bark freeze, but they were okay. But I would have been, I would not have lost the weight I I did lose on that survival trip had I known that because I would have. There were so many bitter nuts together, and I could have just boiled them and ate that. And that would have supplemented my mice <laughs> yeah. right. very well. How much uh, weight did you lose? I lost 18 pounds in 24 days. Whoa. That's a significant amount. Yeah. I mean, they say you're burning 7,000 calories a day. I was eating whatever I could find, which was a lot of plants and some rodents, you know, but it wasn't near as much as I needed considering how much calories I was expending. So, so God. how how uh how long ago was this experience? That was in two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. Okay. Yep. It was the end of yeah, that was in September. Were you like it, 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 on a journey? Was it nomadic or was it uh just kind of like a base camp setup? Uh it was like a base camp setup. I was living at the survival school and then they were on two hundred acres of forest and wetland, and so I walked basically 20 minute walk out into the forest there and i i set up camp so i had prior knowledge i had prior knowledge of what the area looked like and what would be there you know so it wasn't totally i wasn't going blind into it Mm. and if you could do it today do you think that you would lose so much weight no because i would eat those nuts. um i would probably still lose weight um but I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I certainly know more than I did back then. One of the best meals I had out there was, was yellow-footed chanterelles and mm-hmm. crayfish. And crayfish. Yeah, 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 from the pond um, that was close to there. That was super fun. Um, that was a great meal. And I didn't, there was also freshwater clams there, too, in the creek. And... I didn't know enough then to uh, leave them in water overnight. You know how that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What an unpleasant eating experience. Because they taste taste so good, but then you get the sand. And it's like, oh, man, I want to enjoy this because it's so good. But, yeah, it couldn't. Um, Sean, that's so funny that you also did that because – when my son was about three or four years old, I want to say we were up in the upper peninsula yeah. and, and um, we're not allowed to harvest them, but I'm, I'm in this really remote area and I see freshwater clams literally everywhere. We were out in a rowboat and we're in like four or five feet of water. And I'm like looking at freshwater clams all over the ground. Uh, and, and I go, Oh, well, if I could just take like a couple and cook them up. And I did the exact same thing didn't didn't flush them out any of that yeah. stuff me me and my kids you know popping them in our mouth and and just mm. 
biting down on a mouthful of sand. Oh God! Oh, it's it's like nails on a chalkboard. I can't. It's hard to think about. It. Yeah. 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 Very unfortunate. All right. I feel less bad that that happened. <laughs> yeah. You'll never I can do it also... again. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's for sure. Luke, have you ever ate a freshwater clam? I have, but I did not prepare them. But I did know. <laughs> and the same thing <laughs> with the crayfish, too. I mean, you let them sit and clear themselves out, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to so read a lot other... of survival books when I was a kid, Clay. So I knew all that, though. <laughs> okay. Um, what other stuff did you eat when you were out there, Sean? Uh, cattails. Um roasted a lot of roasted uh cattail roots um rhizomes um a lot of oh nannyberry was out at mm-hmm. the time and that's one of those things man it's like black licorice right some people like they taste it and it's like wow this is so weird i create i think they're amazing i love nannyberries uh so those were out um there was uh i ate <laughs> grubs like um in uh they weren't bad actually they weren't did, amazing but they weren't bad they did were did you uh, sing hakuna matata i didn't want to say it but yeah <laughs> <laughs> um what else uh let's see yeah it was september so i forget what I don't know if I had that many greens. Um, it, parsnips, wild parsnips, for sure. I had mm-hmm. those, um, which I liked. But eh, when you don't have salt, um, mm-hmm. mm, things start to turn your stomach pretty quick. You know that I think that if you had salt, that would be such a game changer. You yeah, know? or a but, good fat um, or some acid. To- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Not, yeah, you don't have all the amenities that you would like. A little bit of uh, condiments would go a long way. Um, yeah. But uh, but I guess to you know, there's some things that I would I would probably have had like now would be something like autumn olive if I had known that then. Um, mm-hmm. I would have probably partaken in that. Although when I was out, they would probably been maybe some of them would have been ripe, but they they might have also been pretty astringent at that point when I was out. Um speaking of which, do you get them in uh where you are, Autumn Olive? Yep. Me? Yeah. Oh, we have I actually <laughs> think that we have the best the best autumn olive uh in the world. Okay. <laughs> um, i've been all over i've been all over the place and i've never seen automalis produce as good as they produce in northern michigan wow um and and i and i actually say that um confidently that i think that because they are a nitrogen fixing plant my theory is that our soil is so crappy here that they have some sort of um incentive to produce a heavier crop of seeds because they realize that soil is good for exploitation and, and, and like so that they can improve the soil oh that's interesting wow and i and, and i and i only think that because 
you know, so I every single year, like you were saying, like you thought black walnuts would produce good every year and, and last year it wasn't so good. There has never been a year that I have seen since I've known about autumn olives. There's never been a year when I haven't seen bushes that were so laden that they're like hitting the ground. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. I, yeah, like this year, I just got a few gallons the other day and I've been processing, I processed some tonight. Um, Autumn, it's one of those, it's one of those fruits that is so weird. Like when you're processing it, because it just does some weird shit. Like the yeah. way that the, <laughs> the juice separates from the pulp is so yeah. strange. And also, like, I've been noticing, I have like one of those, um, uh, you know, fruit strainers, the uh, manual, like, hand crank ones. Yep. With a hopper on top. And what I notice is that the, when you, pu- when you put it through the first time, it, you get, you get a lot, a lot of juice, a little bit less pulp. But mm-hmm. the second time, when you've run, when you run it through once and you put the seeds back in, I really like that. That that second pressing, for whatever reason, gets really, really silky and is less astringent. I don't know why that is, but it's like almost would probably have a different application, I think, than the than the than the the first pressing of it. But it's just so it's just so such a weird um thing to work with. It's it's just so amazing. I love it. Um but you know. Speaks to another thing is uh, like a lot of this stuff is so unique unto itself that you can't really compare it to anything else that we have like in the stores, you know. Yep, Luke, do you have do you have olives by you? We do. My problem is, is by the time like a frost hits them to where they actually taste good, the birds have all picked them away. I know. So so you know, I never get enough. I can't, I don't know if this is, if this is like, um, uh, you know, if, if I can base this in science, but I feel like when I've frozen them and thawed them and frozen them again, um, it reduces the astringency of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to like really repeat the experiment maybe more times than I have to, to really get the sense for if this is like empirical, but, um, it did seem to, it seemed to work. In other words, like if you're getting them when it's not like totally optimal, uh, when they would be um, less astringent if you had waited, but you're saying like, because the birds do get them. Yeah. Um, then maybe that would be something to try. But it is, isn't it funny? Like I, I do notice this with other trees too, with other fruit trees. I'll be looking at this shrub or tree that is loaded with berries. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. But then I think, oh, wait a minute. I go to taste it, and it tastes like shit. I'm like, yeah. oh, not even the birds <laughs> like this. That's, <laughs> that's why they're here. That's, that's why happens. they've left them. Last time I was out hunting, I found four autumn olive bushes, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. And I went and picked yeah. berries from each tree, tasted them. I'm like, these yeah. are terrible. And yeah. I thought yeah. to myself, maybe in a few days or in a week, I'll come back, and I'll get them. And and it must have turned within a couple of days, and we did have a cold snap. And right after that cold snap, I went back, and they were gone. The bush was decimated. Yeah, there wasn't a berry yeah. left on it. And I was like, "Oh, well, all right, they must have turned." Yeah, I I seem to have a 
the opposite up, up where, where we are. Um, I've picked Automobs all the way up until uh, December 15th. That's amazing. I can't believe that. That's, That's crazy. Yeah. And, 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 and honestly, we've, I, I don't even bother even looking at Automobs <laughs> usually until like October 15th, you know, somewhere around there. Like, uh, so I, I just think it's funny that like everybody else in the country is like has this same thing that you guys are talking about. And then by me, I'm like, ah, I'm not even going to pay attention until uh, it's like the weather starts getting in the 30s. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder yeah. why that would be. Maybe like more birds migrate down towards you guys or, or I, I don't know where you're at <laughs> in New York. The, the migration has already started. Well, I am, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm where I am. Like locally, is very. I'm very close to sea level. I'm right, right, right along the Hudson River. Okay. Um. And um, yeah, I, I. That's that's it's it's really interesting. Yeah, clay's really on the glacial sand hills up there, so maybe that yeah. has something to do with it. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, you know what's funny though is um Sam Thayer's second book, Nature's Garden, yeah. that's got his chapter about autumn olives in there. And um I'm pretty positive that those autumn olives were picked and all those pictures were taken right by me because Sam has family that lives like uh twenty minutes from my house. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah, so he, he knows the autumn olives are amazing where I live, you know. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, yep, and it, 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 I don't know if like you, you run into this there, but uh, you know, like when I was picking them the other day, it's not the first time this has happened. But when the trees, when they're so loaded, it's it's just a pleasure to. It's one of the most efficient fruit trees to to harvest anything from. I mean, it's so easy, right? Yeah, but some of those have crazy thorns on them. Mm-hmm. And they just like out of nowhere. It's not uniform, you know. They're just like once in a while you get you get thorned, and they're not like little prickles, like really serious thorns. <laughs> I got stabbed a few times, like impaled. Um, <laughs> but I don't know what that would if that's if they're younger, and that's why the thorns are on there. Um, mm-hmm. But price of admission. You gotta you gotta stay away from those uh burnt sienna colored stems. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you you get the um I, I noticed that too. So the young ones they'll have more thorns on them and then yeah. the color the color changes when they're young growth to old growth. So um autumn olives that are older are gonna be more gray stemmed and then the younger growth is gonna okay. be more more okay. brown. Yep. Well see I feel like uh yeah you can be more uh discerning because you have them all over the place and everywhere yeah. <laughs> if i have like just a few shrubs that are loaded i'm like i'm taking everything <laughs> yeah. okay yeah. Uh, we've, we've got autumn olives that i haven't even seen produce but i know yeah. they're autumn olives like they just yeah. do not produce it's yeah, been three years and i have we got that too. Yeah. yeah it's weird yeah yeah i see that in um southern michigan all the time when i'm down there I see yeah. autumn, autumn olives, like whole entire um, fields of autumn olives that don't have uh, fruit. Yeah, nary a berry. Wow. <laughs> wow. Must be that the, the soil is so good there. 
that yeah. they just they don't need any help they're like you know <laughs> we just we're automobile we just want to live here we don't need to you know we don't have the extra energy to produce fruit we just want to hang out right <laughs> oil's yeah. fine you guys are doing fine under there we don't need to do anything for you yeah yeah so um sean what's next in in your life you're into you're, you're doing the music thing what kind yeah. of music are you playing um i am a solo performer and um you know genre is typically in the americana kind of a a, a vibe uh but i've always been solo for you know i'd say always but for many many years so kind of like a one-man show um perform solo although there's other people playing on my records um but you know every few years i put out a record tour on it and forage along the way <laughs> nice oh, that's cool yep it is nice being on the road like it you know uh especially if i'm in a different area that these things these plants are like coming into season at different times i might mm -hmm. catch two windows of the same plant being like on the road and then coming back home to get it. Oh, cool. So, but as far as foraging goes, so you got your, you got your YouTube channel, you got yeah. two, you got two videos up right now. What's the, uh, what's the plan for that going forward? So the plan is that um, I'm going to be doing a Kickstarter for, mm -hmm. uh, for the, can I eat this show? And I'm hoping with that, that'll be successful enough to just cover the production of a new season. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd like to do a new season for next year, but um, it would really depend on getting some funds to do that. Cause as you know, it's like, it's, it's no easy feat to put a whole show together. You know, no. <laughs> um, so many things to think about, you know, that, that you sort of, you know, figure out in real time sometimes, you know, but, but it all requires money. Yeah, you know, I so. think the editing is the most expensive part. I'm, I'm sitting on so much raw footage; it's ridiculous. But yeah, getting yeah. getting somebody to piece it all together and make it a masterpiece. Editing is is the key. It is the key. I've thought it has been the key for so long that I forced myself to get into it myself, so that I didn't <laughs> nice. have to rely so much on somebody else to do it. You know, um, mm -hmm. because it is it's it's really everything. You can have all the all the best footage you you can have but if you can't put it together in the right way it's not going to be it's not going to land it's not going to be interesting you know um so yeah it's definitely uh, as i told you a few weeks ago when we talked on yeah. the phone i i think your videos are edited so amazingly like ec excellent skills at editing they they're wonderful they the, the filmography everything is so good and I really do hope that you can produce more of that because it's really it's really good content. Thank you, man. Thank you. I have a like a, a very small film crew, and those guys do amazing. And you know, I'm more of like the in terms of the the editing. I make the main chops, you know, and all the all the like the storyline and everything else. And I don't know all the technical bells and whistles to add. You know what I mean? In the final analysis, it's a group effort, but but yeah, it does. It does it does make a difference because you have like a a vision that you mm -hmm. want you want to tell a certain story right you know so it's good to know to to have the skill to be able to tell that story in the way that you want to or at least to dictate how to tell that story to somebody else who can do it you know 
I like it because it's like an episode of like Foraging the 50 or Wild Fed meets mm-hmm. uh, Daryl's house to where. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know how it, it ties it all together with the food and at the end is the music and, uh, you know, yeah. you jam out and then talk about it. And that that's pretty yeah. cool. I like that. I like that touch of it because it, it personifies you and really shows, you know, what you're about too. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. And the goal was to, you know, have it be informative, but also entertaining. Cause like, let's be honest, you know, that's how you get drawn into things. You know, if you're entertained by it, you'll, you tend to retain the information better. Um, and you can also keep your attention, hopefully. Yeah. That's yeah. super cool. Um, I don't know how much more time we have Luke, but, um, maybe we could, uh, ask you for your like what how do people get a hold of you mm-hmm. if they want to you know take one of your classes next year if they want to do any of that stuff yeah um seanrow.net is the hub to all my stuff so that's with the music that's with the foraging and uh, people can go there i mean i have i have um instagram channel which i post stuff on in the youtube channel too but that everything is basically an offshoot from the main website. And do you have that Kickstarter lined up to where if somebody listens to this and they get interested? Not uh, yet. Okay. Nope. I haven't launched it yet. If mm. if you do so, will it, it'll be under your socials and stuff like that where they can find yeah, it? Yeah. 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 For sure. Okay. For sure. Yeah. So Sean, anything further that you would like to say? Would you, do you think we missed anything? Would you want to, just say one blurb about how much you love wild food or whatever. Maybe leave us um, with a song. <laughs> I, I, I do want to ask you about um, May apples. Do you, have, do you have them? Hmm, I don't. Yeah, we do. You don't <laughs> have May apples? I've only, I've only found a few this year, but uh, that, that were actually ripe. And then, um, but that they're wonderful. They taste like a, honestly, like a citrusy, uh, like a starburst. Mm like a candy yeah 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 mm. they are something else they, they, they're like um you know i mean when you you rarely find a lot of them and when you do you clear your schedule you ain't doing anything <laughs> else you know what I, mean? I didn't know i could eat them i always heard that they were toxic nobody told are, me but will... hey <laughs> right hey but there's a caveat yeah. there but when they're fully ripened you can eat them nobody ever told me that part so for the longest time there there'd be times where i'd be scouting for deer hunting and just wading through them knocking them off right and had Mm -hmm. no idea that i could be eating them and i could have filled a backpack at times it's just oh my god i found bottoms like river bottoms that were just full of them i mean just (laughs) wading through the star-shaped leaves that they have you know like just amazing i had no idea no idea whatsoever that's unreal wow (laughs) i've had one i was recording an album in uh, memphis tennessee and um all i did i was there for about 15 days recording this record and i didn't know memphis it was the first time i was ever there um there was this park that was not far from the studio which is where elvis played for the first time um in public apparently and the park had like these woods i was going to see see the park 
to, to see where Avalos performed for the first time. And Gnosis Patrick Woods, it was like, you know, where the park benches were on the edge, there was woods. And so naturally I gravitated towards that. I was like, oh, okay. see what's in there. And it was just the right time. May Apples. Wow. Whoa, there's a lot. <laughs> I was like, um, I forgot about the whole recording thing. I was <laughs> just harvesting May Apples for hours. And there was so many of them. I had no thought as to, I'm not even, I'm in Memphis. I'm not even prepared <laughs> to, what am I going to do? Take these on the plane with me? I don't know what, <laughs> none of that. I just like, ah, I'm, I'm harvesting these apples. Uh, don't talk to me. You know? Mm. So I get, I'm like, oh my God, it's like just the right, the just the right ripeness and all that. So I get them to my Airbnb and I'm, I have them on the shelf and I'm just staring at them and smelling them. And I just can't believe I have this many May apples. It's unbelievable. And I went into the studio the next day and the engineer there, it was just me and him. And I told him about the story. He's like, Oh, that's interesting. You can eat that. And then I'm like, I'm like scratch myself. He's like, yeah, right. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Fine. And it turns out like I had poison ivy all over me. Um, <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to anything, you know? And he's like looking at me like, can I get that from you? Like, am I going to, am I going to get poison ivy? Like, I don't think so, man. I think you're okay. I'm like, but look at these May apples. <laughs> <laughs> so I processed them in, in the Airbnb. I made like jam. I made pulp. You know, I just took it home with me and, uh, you know, it's just, I'm obsessed with it, but it's like so elusive too. It's like, that's part of the, part of the allure, right? It's that you almost can never find them, but when yeah. you do, it's pretty amazing. I've never done anything, but eat them fresh. So that, that's pretty Well, they cool. make, I mean, jam is like a kind of cliche, I feel like to, to make with, with wild fruit, but I mean, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. But I just like making pulp with them. Like I do this with a lot of fruit. Just make a lot of pulp. I freeze it. And then I can use it however I want to in smoothies or whatever. It's just a practical way to process fruit. Um, but only, you know, if you can get a lot of them. It's rare, but it's good. So you know how, you know how uh, Podophyllum peltatum, that's mm -hmm. the, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the scientific yeah, name there. Yeah. That, that plant is like, it, it goes by runners. And I've mm -hmm. seen I've seen immense patches of it, and I know that like you can see a huge patch, and it's all could be just one plant, right? Well, I knew that in my mind, and then a couple of years ago, I had one of my gardening clients planted a mayapple on her property, <laughs> but she but she only planted one, so um, it never makes any fruit because oh, it's just <laughs> because it's it's like a big cluster now, but it's only one specimen. Oh my god. Yeah, so right. like I, I, I actually got excited a couple of years ago and I was like, oh, cool, Mayapple. Maybe I'll have some fruit up here because I tend her gardens around her house. And uh, no, it, it flowers, but it never makes fruit because it's just one plant. Even though there's wow. many in individual stems, you know. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so that, is, that is a slap in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've never, I've yeah. never had the fruit. We'll have to bring yeah. you up one more so you can get another plant, a pollinator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's sad. Yep. 
Well, Sean, before we go, just one more yeah. time, if you could just kind of tell people uh, where they can find you. You said social media, but it, what what is it yeah. under and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so social media is uh, Sean Route Eleven. I'm older than that. I don't know why he's the eleven, <laughs> but um, uh, that's my Instagram, and then of course it's Facebook and all that too. Sean Route Music, I think, is Facebook. Um, YouTube is Sean Route Music too. But I also have a, a Can I Eat This um, uh, YouTube page um, as if I had more time than I actually have to do a second YouTube page. Uh, but uh, SeanRow.net is is really the main hub to go to. That's got everything on it. Well, Clay, yeah. thank you for hosting and uh, yeah, co-hosting yeah. here. Great, it's it's great awesome. And we're going we're gonna to see a lot. Listeners are going to hear a lot more of you. And uh, Sean, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Glad to do it. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on too. And I just want to say one more thing. I think that you're a phenomenal teacher from what I've seen of you. And I think that you should definitely you should definitely get out there and um, do more classes. And, and I'm going to try to get my sister to go to one of your classes. I would love that. Thanks, yeah. man. I really appreciate it, Clint. All right. Talk to you All soon. All right, man. Take care. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you could check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. Mm-hmm.